Welcome to episode 24 of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Main. By day, I host a morning radio show on a network in New York and Pennsylvania. By night, I'm a podcaster. If you're a woman like me who loves Jesus and just wants to serve her family and community a little bit better, you're in the right place. Would you take a moment right now to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode? If you've got about 90 seconds, you've got time to read the book, of Obadiah. It's the shortest book of the Old Testament. It might take you longer to find it than to read it. It's tucked right between Amos and Judah. I'm pretty sure the pages are stuck together in your Bible, just like they were in mine. But God's Word is always full of treasure. So let's dig in and find out what we can learn from this tiny prophet. It's always good to start with knowing who wrote what we're reading. Spoiler, it's Obadiah. The name means one who serves Yahweh. But which Obadiah? The book is so short that the author doesn't really take the time to tell us. And there are about a dozen guys named Obadiah in the Bible. Nobody knows which one wrote this. We also don't know exactly when it was written because, hello, 21 verses. There aren't a lot of details here. The best guess is around 800 BC, which would make Obadiah one of the earliest prophets. Now, I can't recall the last time I heard a sermon based on Obadiah, and I don't think Proverbs 31 has an online Bible study based on it. But because of 2 Timothy, we know all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So let's figure out why this book is in the Bible and how we can use it in our lives. Time for some history. Do you remember Isaac and Rebekah? She had twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first, but Jacob was the favorite. Jacob became the nation Israel, and Esau became Edom. Genesis 25:23 says, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And that was true for a thousand years. Israel dominated Edom, and Edom despised Israel because of it. But Israel wasn't living the way God wanted. It had become a place of idolatry. So around the time of Obadiah, Jerusalem was invaded by Philistines and Arabians. In their time of need, Israel might have hoped that their cousin nation would have helped out. But instead, the nation of Edom took advantage of the situation, and it became painfully personal. When Jacob and Esau were born, God had already revealed that Israel would prevail. And during the invasion, people had to wonder if maybe God changed his mind. But see, God doesn't change his mind. The Bible isn't revised and corrected over time. And that's the thing. While the invasion may have been a wake-up call, ultimately— it proved God's love for his people. And while the book was written to Edom, it was really for Israel. I mean, where's Edom today? And I think that's kind of the point. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's from Proverbs sixteen eighteen, Verse 18 of Obadiah, the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau stubble. 
And that is true today. This book makes me stop and think about how we treat one another. You can study the life of Jacob and see all sorts of dysfunctional sibling rivalry between him and Esau. And that was passed down to Jacob's children as we read in the life of Joseph and his brothers. And it gives us something to think about as brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we cheer each other on or do we secretly root for others to fail? In Obadiah, verse 12 says, Do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. This still holds true now. When fellow Christians fall, it's not the time for, I told you so, or they should have known. It's the time for compassion and for prayer. There's a lesson in this book about pride. When we live for self, there are consequences. That's a lesson that started in the Garden of Eden. From verse 15, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. One of the best ways to avoid pride is to seek God's desires more than your own desires. Read your Bible, pray, seek his purpose, and follow it. So what does this book mean for us today? Well, God's love for us is unwavering. God will protect us in all the ways that he says he will. That doesn't mean that things are going to be easy and carefree, because just like Israel, we don't always get to see good things that God is doing until we're in a hard, impossible situation. He isn't ignoring your troubles just because he's allowing them. His purpose will be done in his time according to his plan. So let's take that beyond the Old Testament. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die in your place. Because of Jesus, God's unwavering love goes for all of eternity. And that is still true, even when life is hard. If you've enjoyed this episode of Therese Talk, be sure to subscribe and look for the next episode on Tuesday morning. If you really loved it, consider making a gift to Family Life, the ministry this podcast is a part of. Just go to familylife.org and find out more about what we do. Did you know Family Life offers a variety of podcasts? Get up to date with Family Life news or enjoy some family time with Family Life kids. There's the sunny side filled with real life stories of God's goodness. And if that makes sense, a Family Life original podcast where they talk about what life is really like as a Christian in your 20s. They're all free and on demand at familylife.org slash podcast.